Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are back with the Salute Detroit podcast brought to you by Ben Online. And today, my host, I have the smartest man in the LAFB network with the 6.7 GPA. He's probably the only one who's ever done that. He's been to every prestigious university in the land of California, let's just say. My man, Mad Dog, Jamal Maggie. How you doing today, Jamal? Well, great to be here, Alfred, with that such a warm introduction. And this is my, my first time on the show outside of a live stream. So really excited to be with you as always. I, I don't know about the smartest man in LAFB. I'll tell you, the person with the deepest analysis and the greatest knowledge of X's and O's on LA Football Network is far and away you, Alfred. So the honor is mine to be here tonight. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, before we... Before we get started, I just uh, want to let you guys know that the Salute Detroit uh, podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is where all the game stoppers. We got the NFC and the AFC playoff championship going on this weekend, and that line for the AFC game is like the stock market. It is gone everywhere. It has gone even. Bengals two and a half. It's now Chiefs two and a half on the Patrick Mahomes practice full speed release. So. If you want to lock in those odds and get the best odds for this weekend, go to betonline.ag, put in promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, where they'll match 50% and tell them LAFB sent you. Jamal, let's get to the upfront thing. Let's just talk about, let's just talk about what we've been talking about all year. We're probably going to talk about it all year because we're committed to doing a year worth of shows and we're not going anywhere. We're going to be in your ear for the rest of the year. So let's address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about up front, the Trojans, what they have up front. <clears throat> I will say this. I will say this. And when we say up front, we're talking the box. We're talking linebackers, defensive line. I will say this. What they did this offseason, as far as transfer portal and as far as recruiting even high school kids, I really like what they did. I really like what they did. I think they went and got two linebackers that fit their scheme and could play well in the Pac-12. <clears throat> and I think they recruited some guys up front that will grow. And what they have coming back, th- they weren't far off up front, right? Like they led the nation in sacks. You know, and they had a lot of young guys making plays. They weren't far off. I think they just needed to make a few tweaks and they got it done. So their offseason moves, Jamal, were really, really good. I give them like, I'll, if I was a grave, I'll give them high A for what they did up front in order to improve what everybody says is the issue for Alex's Grinch defense. Yeah, Alfred, I think you, you said it best. I mean, if we sort of break this thing down, I think there's sort of four names that come to mind of these additions uh, with this sort of previous pedigree of, of college football or just being very highly decorated recruits who, who played at this level last year. I think at the backers, we're very excited about Mason Cobb, the transfer out of Oklahoma State. I think he comes into a situation where he played at Oklahoma State, that open Big 12 style, that conference runs elements of the air raid. And so to kind of come to USC in a similar situation with Alex Grinch. He was a monster at Oklahoma State last year, over 100 tackles. He was far and away the Cowboys' best defensive player. He now comes 
at linebacker. And then you got the other guy who I know you're even higher on is Jamil Muhammad. And he just seems to be this athletic sideline to sideline type of, of backer who's going to be able to do a lot of different things. And then I think when you pair those two with the returners of, of Gentry and Shane Lee, now you have sort of a quartet where you're, you, you are now above average at this position where I think over the course of last year, they were average at best and then had their moments where they were below average. And then now when you look at the defensive line, I think the big X factor here, Alfred, is Anthony Lucas. I mean, what do you get with this guy? He had 10 tackles all of last year, barely played at Texas A&M, one of those decorated five-star recruits out of A&M. And so can he put it together? And I mean, it's 10 stars, Alfred, between Anthony Lucas and Corey Foreman, and neither guy has really put it together yet. And so... If one or both of those guys puts it together, that's an additional 10 stars that you have at defensive line. And so it can really take things to the next level. And then, of course, you've got Sullivan, Jack Sullivan from Purdue, played in that tough Big Ten, ended up having to go up up against the offensive line. I like his film. I like his film. Yeah. So I think that those are the four. Lucas. Uh, Sullivan, and then you go and look at Muhammad and Cobb. Those are the four that I'm really excited about because, like you mentioned, Alfred, SC loses some key pieces. Obviously, Tui Pelotu, Figueroa was serviceable. Brandon Pilly was serviceable. So you're losing three rotational folks in, in the defensive line and in that front seven. Go forth, obviously, transferred as well. But I don't think we were necessarily, you know, he was a serviceable linebacker, but nothing to, to write home about. I think they've upgraded. And now the question is, how much have they upgraded to sort of offset where they started from defensively to really make this a complete team in 23? You, 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 okay, so I'm, I'm going to break it down yeah. to you. I'm going to tell you how right now, right now, SC gets better on defense, right? So Shane Lee's coming back. Gentry's coming back, right? They're no longer linebackers. They're now defensive ends. You get what I'm saying? Like Gentry's yep. a fast defense end. He's a Bruce Irvin now. Shane Lee's a faster defense end who's a little bit more stronger. Now he's more serviceable. Now you're fast off the edges. Even if they don't get a lot of reps, second down, second and long reps, second pass reps, third down reps. Like if you put them in those situations more often than not, you're going to get a bunch of reps. Like maybe, maybe Shane Lee could be a run stopping defense end. I can't see Gentry being a defense end, but I could see Gentry getting 10 sacks running around the hoop. You know what I mean? So yeah. then now you, you're talking about and, and the guy you're talking about, you said 10 stars is uh, number zero, right? Yeah. Uh, he. Well, no, so Foreman is zero. But Lucas yeah, yeah. is uh, number Lucas five. Lucas is coming from a Foreman. Right. So I am actually I like the upside on Corey Foreman. Right. He's made he made plays last year where you were like, oh, he's good. Like he has potential. Like he's so like. He's only a freshman, right? If I'm not mistaken. Well, or, uh, Alfred, he's the two years, so he's going to be a junior coming in now. Okay, so he's going to be a junior, which is fine. He still has two more years, and if he was there for COVID, he necessarily gets three years because he gets his COVID year back. But neither here nor there, he showed flashes of what he's able to do, and he had sacks on the season last year. You put him at inside three tech or anything like that. He becomes a force to be reckoned with because now you're going to have to slide and protect that fast outside. And now he can make things and win his one on ones. Well, Lucas, 
I'm, and I told this to Ryan, and I, when I was on you guys' show, I, I said this too. I'm not very high on Lucas because on Lucas's film, he seems kind of jittery, like he's not going. Like he's kind of like, should I? Should I? Should I? Okay, I'm gonna go. And that's either just him unsure of what he's doing or him not knowing the playbook. Maybe if it was easier. In which I think Alex Green's defense for the front is mostly easy. He could just fly and go, right? So I'm not selling him. The guy from Purdue, though, he is a tough, gritty, hard-nosed guy. And him in the middle playing one tech or even three makes a lot of issues. <clears throat> now you got now you got Cobb and you got Muhammad. Muhammad is playing outside backer, flying sideline to sideline, making a bunch of plays. But Cobb is a middle linebacker now that could run with a receiver or could cover a running back. You just got so much faster, so much athletic on defense. Like, you don't have to worry about – and they're both for sure tacklers now. Like, so you answered all your questions within a couple of players and moving two guys that you already had just down the line of scrimmage. You just became better. You know what I mean? Like, so when I see that, I'm like, that's why I said they did such a good guy, good job because they needed to fill in pieces and they filled in those pieces to where they don't have to make anybody mad because those guys could still stay on the field and make plays. No, it's a great point, Alfred. And I think the, the real big takeaway for me of what you're saying is this ability now to unlock Gentry to rush the passer which is really his skill set to begin with because he's longer, he's faster, he's a little bit more wiry. And now you've got, whether it's guys with hands in the ground or not, but you basically have a quartet of pass rushers here between Lucas, Sullivan, Foreman, and now Gentry. And you, you kind of put that four against any sort of an offensive line in the Pac-12. And now it, it's sort of, kind of scary athleticism in terms of what is possible and they can just pin their ears back and go because they have that confidence on the back end with the likes of a Cobb and a Muhammad oh okay these guys actually know what they're doing back there and really know how to play the linebacker position so I can be this specialist and really pressure the line of scrimmage uh, accordingly so the question I have for you Alfred is how much better is this defense going to be in your estimation? It's still very early. And does it get them over the top? Uh, we know what the offense is going to be. We know what Caleb is. But does this defense now get this from a three-loss team to a one-loss team? Or does is the, have they done enough defensively to be absolutely a CFP team next year? 100%. So all they have to do is replace a corner. Yeah. Right. So them replacing the corner, having a young defensive backfield that led that led the nation in interceptions. So <clears throat> they're leading. They're they're reloading. Like they're not even replacing that D line. They're reloading that D line. Yep. Right. So if you unleash, like you said, if you unleash Gentry, you put Shane Lee down there. They're they're reloading that D line. Okay. Now all they have to do is replace one guy in the secondary, which is which is so much easier than replacing two. You know what I mean? Now, that so to me, they have potential right now, right? And this is just an estimation, or I'm not I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they have potential to be a top 25 defense now because they're they like like I said, they put people in places that works for their defense. 
Shane Lee doesn't work as a linebacker in their defense. Shane Lee works as a defensive end in their defense. Same thing with Gentry. Gentry was a okay linebacker. Like I, I, I liked how he played and it worked because he was a long rangey guy and he was able to run. But Gentry gets drafted for third round as a defensive end because he's Bruce Irvin like. And Bruce Irvin was what a second first round draft pick. So yeah. like, like a lot of things change with just a change of a position. They have potential to become a top 25 defense. And and this is why I say that. As a defense in today's game, you don't have to dominate. When you dominate, your team becomes unstoppable. But how many times are you able to overcome a mistake, right? So if they're able to overcome mistakes, and last year Caleb Williams only had four mistakes, right? There was about three fumbles. How many mistakes are you able to overcome? Right. And if they're able to overcome mistakes, then they become a CFP team. <clears throat> now, are they ready to be a CFP team? Last year, and if and last year, if you heard me say it multiple times, no, they're not ready to be a CFP team. I don't know yet. I need to see because there's other things on the other side of the ball that they need to do, which is very small twitches. But like if they do those other things, maybe they can't be a CFP team. But defensively, if they do these small things and, and schematically they start to make sense, their defense could hold other offenses. And now you're looking at them like we're talking about them playing, you know, in a New Year's Six Bowl, which is a semi a semifinal game. Yeah, no, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. Out there. I think the one the one element there, I'm not even sure they need to really replace anyone in the secondary with guys they don't already have. Obviously, losing Blackman, he was he was a stud and and really probably the best cover corner. I think Bullock was a great ball hawker uh, and being able to kind of track balls down for those interceptions. If Blackman was the guy that was going to get into your face and really compete. The question now becomes, does five-star Domani Jackson from modern day slide into that role very seamlessly and take that role on as the primary cover corner? So they have the talent in the building already. It's not necessarily like they need to go get somebody else to be able to fill that slot. It's just going to be a matter of experience. Alfred, question for you, and I'm really fascinated to hear your thoughts on this. Given what we're talking about here in terms of these additions, given what this allows this defense to do now in terms of solid linebacker play, more pass rush, more speed, more athleticism. When you look at this schedule in 23, it's a harder schedule than it was in 22. You got to go up against Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. Let's not forget Sam Hartman, the great quarterback from Wake Forest, now is the quarterback at Notre Dame. There's some elements here. You know, you got to see Delora again. You got to see Cam Ward again. You've got Cam Rising again. Is there a particular quarterback or a particular style of quarterback that still makes you nervous with this new personnel? Or do you think it, it, it's it's this team is going to be pretty consistent defensively regardless of quarterback style? Um, I think... I think a Cam Rising doesn't scare me because he's not so much of a scrambler. He's a play extender, yeah. right? So Cam Rising extends plays. So he's going to do whatever he does not to get sacked. If he has to scramble, he's he he's scrambling to get out of bounds. He's not scrambling to run a touchdown. Penix Jr., Delora, um, uh, Deion Sanders' kid, Sherrard Sanders, 
Uh, I'm trying to go do it. Uh, they don't have to play DJ. Bo Nix is a is a more of a pocket passer. Uh, Arizona State, Arizona State's quarterback is a yeah. is a scrambler. Yeah, yeah. Those guys worry me in this defense more than play extenders because play extenders we can apply pressure, and that's what I noticed watching last year's game. Play extender guys, we we can apply pressure. If pressure is applied, we're good. When at times when we Utah's a perfect example. That's probably one of the few games where we have very few sacks and not very much pressure applied, and we let Cam Risen do what he wanted to do. And he also got the ball out quick, mm. <clears throat> which is also a scheme thing, right? So those guys don't bother me. The guys that bother me is the guys that make plays because you gotta understand there's one less linebacker in today's game and one more DB because there's more receivers, right? Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. where it gets weird. And so those play extenders, they figure out where to not extenders, but those guys who are trying to run for touchdowns, those guys scare me more. But with the likes of a Gentry on the edge and a Shane Lee on the edge, those that my fear comes down a little bit. When you have Cobb and Muhammad as a linebacker, they can run those guys down now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at last year's defense, a, a runner will go. This year's like, okay, I'm not so much worried about it because I have a fast edge and I have fast guys at linebackers. So that will be the that will be the change that 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 happens. I'm I'm predicting. So that's the change that happens to where those guys who like to run, not extend, but those guys who like to run, should be able to be contained now. Mm, that's interesting. How do you think it stacks up a little bit with those pure pocket passes, right? Like. Penix Jr. can run a little bit, but it's the arm. Harden <coughs> from Notre Dame, it's the arm. But these guys kind of want to stay in the pocket and let loose and really exploit that secondary. How do you think that style of quarterback is going to do? Because it seems like we're going to be able to get more pressure on the quarterback this year. We're going to be able to reduce the num- amount of time quarterbacks have in the pocket, reduce their level of comfort. But how do you feel about these guys with these – quick releases, guys who are used to 50, 55, sometimes 60 attempts in a game, 400, 450 yards in a game. They're sort of just comfortable with getting the ball out and peppering it all over the place. How do you think this defense matches up with that style of quarterback? Because we're going to see a few of those guys between Notre Dame, between Washington. Bo Nix is a little bit of a hybrid. You don't know what UCLA is going to throw if Dante Moore is there. A lot of these guys are more pocket oriented. So, how do you feel about that? That 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 actually was scared, and I can only go off of Alex Grinch's scheme last year, right? So, that is actually more of an issue for me mm-hmm. as far as as far as the kryptonite for the defense, right? Yeah. So, the Kincaid got two hundred yards. He wasn't running deep routes. His routes right. were five yards, right? So, the catch and throw is the issue in the defense. So, that overall needs to be fixed, and that worries me, right? They don't fix that. Then now we're starting. To, now we have things to worry about as far as like when we have to play a Michael Penix Jr. or we have to go to Notre Dame, right? Like, are we getting better schematically? And we have to get better schematically in order for this whole thing to work. Like it does no good. <clears throat> it does no good to to have all these players and these pieces in, and we still not covering the underneath route. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So that, that that's the whole issue. Like, so that does worry me a lot. But 
I haven't seen it, and I don't know what changes they've made, but they have players to where they can make changes. So I believe that they made these moves to where Muhammad is pick six and those types of things. You know what I mean? Or Cobb is up under there. Because here's the good thing about Muhammad and Cobb. They get an interception. They're most likely scoring. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if they don't score, they're running the ball a long way before they get tackled. So that's the whole difference that you're going to see. Like these guys could cover a lot more. So <clears throat> hopefully the plan is, and, and, and this is what I'm seeing, the plan is to keep those quarterbacks with the ball in their hand a little bit longer so we could create sacks and we put put other teams in uh, a lot more third down opportunities. But Jamal, before we move forward, I just want to let you know, I'm a big time breakfast dude and I have to be on site at 530 in the morning. So I had to start cutting my breakfast out. I was introduced to Athletic Greens and Athletic Greens is not only keto friendly, not only has a bunch of vitamins, not only affordable, but it keeps me full until we eat lunch at nine o'clock. So I'm not putting a bunch of junk in my body. I feel a lot better, have a bunch of energy. I could get through the day. There's no such thing as a two o'clock wall for me. Athletic Greens is doing all of you guys a favor. They're going to give you a chance to experience the same thing I'm experiencing. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give one free year supply of, of immune supporting vitamin D and five travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash salute to Troy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash salute to Troy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance you need. So, Love yeah. It. Yep. So, yeah, what, what I was saying was like <clears throat> with those linebackers, I think it, it it solves the Utah problem. It solves the Penix problem. It solves the underneath problem because those guys could carry routes better. Those guys could cover better because they're just a little bit more athletic. How do you, Alfred, you know, it's interesting. One of the areas where I think the defense also struggled last year that didn't get a lot as much attention as some of the the past deficiencies and the narrative around Grinch and the scheme was they were susceptible to getting controlled by tempo with the run game. I mean, even, even when you look at the very first drive of the season, Alfred, with Rice, if you recall, the very first drive of the season, Rice had it for like 17 plays and, and marched, you know, eight and a half minutes before they punched it in. When you look at some of the things that, Tulane was able to do with Spears, who had over 200 yards on 17 carries. When you look at some of these other teams, what they were able to, Arizona State was able to run the ball really well. Fresno State was able to run the ball really well at times. So how do you see this personnel now with those teams that may just turn around and run the football? So if Cam Rising is going to be contained as a passer, but he, he turns around and hands it off to Jaquindon Jackson, how do you think this defense holds up against just sort of ground and pound? That's 100% on Alex Grinch. It's 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 numbers. And I'm pretty sure you've heard me give this spiel a whole bunch of times. Like, man, them, dude, them dudes cannot count. It's numbers. Yeah. like it, it, And it, it's basic like this. There's five offensive linemen, right? And so if I put five people in the box, there's a hat for a hat. I'm not going to win the run game. Like, I've always got to have six. I always want to be plus one. And hopefully Alex Grinch could get to plus one. If he's at plus one, there's nothing to worry about, 
right? Just play four, two, five and get to plus one and have a six man box. And now you're stable. And I think that answers some of your rough gate problems. The other stuff, they're going to have to go to Oz and, and, and get what the 10 men got. Like they're going to just have to get some heart. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's an old saying, it's an old saying in coaching, like it's loud in the box and it's really loud in the box. You know what I mean? And so they're just going to have to just, you know, gut check time. Like they, that is not a reputation you want. And UCLA had that reputation for a long time. And I'm kind of happy Chip Kelly got that reputation off of him. But you don't want it to be the reputation of being the soft football team. It's not very good. So hopefully, like, here's the difference, though, Jamal. We're going to expect a lot of sacks, which we might get a lot of sacks, but it won't be like it was last year because you had a phenomenal guy on that defensive line last year. But we're going to get sacks, and we're going to maintain the quarterback. But we have to be right schematically. You know what I mean? So, and I'm, I'm going to say this again. I said they, they they put the right pieces on their roster to do what they want to do schematically. So, hopefully, it, it, it that to stop the run, it's on Alex Grinch. Put six in the box. Six in the box answers your question 100% of the time. There you go. There you go. I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. And Albert, I mean, basically what you're saying is, look, the talent is there. The scheme is there. Now it's just a matter of executing and having the coaching judgment to put these guys in the right spots. Do you feel like there's any doubt in 23 that if for any reason this defense does not play to expectation or loses a game or two for this team next year that Alex Grinch is gone. I mean, are, are we, are you for sure that it's 23, like it, it's put up or shut up time for Alex Grinch? It depends on the loss. It depends on the loss. <clears throat> if it's, if, if, if he's solid all year and it's just one of those games where defense has a bad day or they have a bad day or two, then you know what I mean? Like if they have a bad day in the season and they lose two games in the season or, they have a bad day and the they lose their Pac-12 championship game and the game of the season is just a bad day, but the score is like 35-21. Like it, it all depends on the loss. And then they go back and dominate during the bowl game. Everybody's gonna forget. Winning is the best cure-off for everything. You know what I mean? Because if, if they if they go undefeated in the national champion, Alex Grinch keeps his job, right? If but if they if they give up 40 points a game and they lose to Tulane in the last five minutes of the game. He's done. Like so, it, it's it, it it all depends on the loss, and it depends on his performance, and it it, de- it depends on what he does schematically. And and I was one of his biggest critiques. And at one point last year, I was like, all right, he's starting to figure it out. But he he's there's points in time where he's schematically bad, and mm-hmm. he has to get better schematically. And people are picking that apart. You can't go against these guys who are very very smart offensively. And think you could just get away with bad scheme. They find it and they abuse it. Like, look at Willingham. He abused the five-yard curl and got a tight end drafted probably in the first round off a of bad scheme. All you had to do was just cover him. <clears throat> you know what I mean? But he has he had so many holes. As long as he fills those holes and they play better football, he's fine. Two losses isn't the end of the world. It depends how he loses those two games. Because, look, check this out. 
Caleb Williams could have a game, knock on wood, where he turns the ball over four times yeah. on their side. Of the, you know what I mean? That's not Alex Grinch's fault, right? So there, there's certain things that stipulation. It's the product, and I always say this, what product are they going to put on the field? Lincoln Riley was brought here because Clay Helton put a terrible product on the field. The product that we saw last year was amazing, but there was a default, right? It was the beta version, I guess you could say. So hopefully they made the edits <clears throat> on defense. And if he does the right things and he studies and he learns from his mistakes and he doesn't become an old dog and he tries to learn new tricks and he, and he fixes his scheme, I think he's fine. It's 100% on him if he wants to keep his job or not. He has the pieces in place. So there's no excuse now. No, it makes sense, Alfred. And, you know, I think we're all on our on the edge of our seat to see how this thing plays out. I'm I'm getting very excited about the possibility of this defense, given all of the different dimensions and the potential. I want to ask you as as the true USC expert on our network. How excited are you about this defense in the past? let's say five, seven, eight years, where, what, where would you, where is your level of excitement rank going into a season just on the basis of the defense over the last, let's call it handful of years, all the way back 10 years, where is your sort of excitement, anticipation, expectation um, relative to years past? So we're saying back 10 years. So 23, we're saying back to 2013. Yeah. And that's not that's not Adoree Jackson on them, right? No, Adoree was there. Adoree was there in seventeen. All right, so they that those teams had defense. Those teams they weren't great. They were talented though, right? I mean, this has potential. Well, this has potential Obviously, to be. The no one is no one is going to confuse this defense with 08, right? Yeah. With, with uh, <laughs> you know with Ray no, and yeah. Uh, and Cushing and Matthews. And I mean, you know, that's a different stratosphere. That was to me, the greatest defense USC has, has ever had in my lifetime was that 08 team right. um, where, you know, two teams scored more than, you know, 13 points the whole season. So it's a far cry from that. Obviously then the sanctions hit no nine and 10 with Barkley. It was a little bit lighter with the depth. Kiffin comes in that that's where that, that, you know, S word started coming in a little bit, that bad S word soft with, with Kiffin a little bit in the trenches. Then we sort of segued into 13 and then, you know, things started coming back with the depth coming back. But how, how do you, how do you see this defense kind of rank in the last handful of years? I can see this being the trendsetting defense that bring, that makes it like what SC has been in the past, a dominant safety, dominant yeah. linebackers and a good defensive line. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Like, they have the potential to make SC is what it was in the past. Like, they have a dominant safety, and I hope he comes back for. I hope he comes back for his uh, his senior year. Yeah. That only one, only hope, right? Yeah. You have a chance to have two good linebackers, yep, and then a very good defense line. Like, this could be the defense that creates the team that turns the tide to back to where SC is, what SC is like. And I was, uh, who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh man, like, you know, is SC going to win the national championship? Blah, 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 this and that. And I told him, SC doesn't have to win the national championship. Everybody confuses like SC has to win the national championship. 
They only have 11 over the history of their of, right. of who they are. And they are a right. blue blood university. Same thing with Penn State. They don't have to win a national championship. All SC has to do is be a national contender every year, play right. in a New Year's Six, hopefully right. the Rose Bowl, and everybody's happy. You know what right. I mean? Like a national championship just makes it a little bit extra better. But like they just need to win enough games to where they're still a blue blood university, to where every kid in LA wants to go there, where they're playing on prime time in their bowl game, and that's what they have to be. So, like, this defense could be the defense that turns the tide. We win the national championship, kudos. We Our goal is to own the Rose Bowl and to win the Rose Bowl, and it's been like that forever, and that's how we need to – that's what we need to get back to. No, it Even makes with sense. the conference change, we could still own the Rose Bowl. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, th- it's such a great point about the national championships piece, right? I mean, you know, everyone sort of wants – it's national title or bust, and – you said it best, and we can go even further, Alfred. I mean, uh, the 11, you know, nine of the 11 were before 1980, okay? Right. So we've won it twice in the last 45 years, okay? So, and and no one is going to say that, oh, it's been a drought or, or something to that effect, and it's been 18 years since the great Rose Bowl of USC, Texas. So that was the last time USC was in a national championship game. So. You know, this is a very hard championship to win. The, the The college football and the college basketball championships are so hard to win that uh, you said it best, Alfred. It's it's about being in that final four, being in that final mix year over year with the chance to win. And then you sort of let fate and destiny and injuries and timing and all of those things kind of take over. Transfer portal. Yeah, like uh, college. This is the good thing about college sports. Like, and every I think, and it's the talking heads from the other networks who put national championship out there. But Penn State, when's the last time they won a national championship? But we know who Penn State is, right? Texas hasn't won one in 18 years prior to that. When was the last time they won one? But we know who Texas is. Here's another one for you Oregon is becoming a blue blood university. When's the last time? <laughs> That's why they have a O because they'll never win a national championship, right? So, like the big logos, like Ohio State hasn't won one win almost thirteen years. Yeah, when they beat for, when they beat yeah. Oregon, right? Yep. Like, but we know who who Ohio State is. We know who Michigan is. Like, we know who all these teams are. Like, national championship is it should be the goal, but the goal for college football is win your conference, win your bowl game. Absolutely. That's your goal. And as long as we win the Pac-10 and in the future win the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is going to be so deep, it's going to be playing the Big Ten championship, right? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, But as long as you win the Pac-12, win the Big Ten in in the future, and win your bowl game, I want to go there. You know what I mean? Like, you still get national recognition. So the national championship pressure, I I call bullshit on it. I'm not a fan of it. Win the conference, win your bowl game. You know what you 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 know what you get from that, and that's the cure. Absolutely, and it sounds like Alfred that with this defense, coupled with that great Heisman Trophy winner, with that plethora of receivers, that you know the, that that one through six receiving room is just outright frightening. Uh, it looks like this could be the year that USC ends the drought because Alfred, you know, we talk a little bit about the national title drought, and that's. You know, as you said, that's sort of very unrealistic expectations. But 
there has been a little bit of a conference title drought, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, one national, one conference championship since 2008, right? Since right. 08, the only year SC's won the Pac-12 was 2018. And so that's really hard to believe that SC's only won the, the Pac-12 once in the last 15 years. But I think this is the year we sort of end all of that and, and SC brings it home. Well, it took SMU almost 29, 30 years to come back from their probation. Yeah. And we got handed the second toughest probation other than SMU. And we've actually come, I think we've come, we've recovered from it. Not yes. fully back, but we recovered from it faster than SMU did. Oh, for sure. But you know what I mean? But like now it's the chance to say, all right, we're back. Like we have the depth. We have everything we need. We have kids who are starting to want to be stay home and go to USC. Like, and and you know, NIL um helps a lot because I'm always gonna yes. say this. Do you want to be a celebrity in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or do you want to be a celebrity in LA? It's your choice. <laughs> do you want to sit front row when can you sit front row seat at the Lakers game next to Kim Kardashian in Alabama, or can you do it in LA? It's your choice. <laughs> Right. So there's a bunch of things you can use for NIL to to help recruit. But like I said, it, it the you could call it a drought. And we were there last year. Right. We'll more than likely be back next year. I don't see any reason why not. The biggest thing is. And the biggest thing is we just have to be schematically correct on defense. Yep. We have to put. <clears throat> You, as, as a coach, you have to put your players in the best position possible to win the game. Last year, I don't think Alex Grinch put his players in the best position possible. Hopefully, you make changes in the offseason. You watch all your film and you put in new defenses and you try to create things. And hopefully, he's doing what he can to put that team in the best position possible to make plays. And if he does that, we're looking at a good year. I would tell you, and 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 you you mentioned the Heisman Trophy winner, and the teaser show is we're going to rank players. Where does thirteen go on that list? Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty tough. Way to tease up the next few shows, Alfred. Oh my God, it's the art of showmanship. Always leave them wanting more, and you've done that brilliantly to conclude. Where does thirteen? Where does where does thirteen go? On that list, when we rank quarterback all time quarterbacks at SC, and there's a lot, and the quarterbacks is another tough one. Where does 13 go on that list? That's a good question. That and that is a story for another episode, and we are gonna get all the fans to tune in on that one because that's what's to come here in the offseason. Definitely. Hey Jamal, I appreciate you for stepping in, man. Uh, we're gonna make we're we're pushing through this thing. It's always good to have you. I love talking ball with you, Jamal. I get to see it from other side, and we have great conversations. Of Guys, course. this has been the Bet Online Salute to Troy podcast. We'll see you next week. You know how it goes. Live free, fight on.